Welcome to the NL Full-Time Podcast. I am Luke Edwards and we've got a lot to get through today, so we will get on straight with it. And joining me it is Rob Laurel. Hello, Rob. Hello. That's what you wanted, wasn't it? <laughs> it was, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just a quick and simple hello this week. Um, also with us, we have Dickie Wharton. Hello, Dickie. Hello. Following Rob's and, lead. Uh, <laughs> later on, we have uh, we have ultra midfielder Josh Lundstrom, and he's got a, he's been had a great week as well because he's been caught up to the England C squad. And talking of that, the England C squad came out on the Sunday morning. We're recording on a Sunday afternoon, and joining us we have friend of the podcast and England C goalkeeping coach Mick Payne. Hello, Mick. Yeah, uh, good afternoon to you, Lukey. Yeah, and good afternoon to all the boys. Delighted to be on. Exactly delighted. Well, we'll get straight into that because obviously the announcement's been made. It's been um, more or less a year since we were in Carnarvon at the, the banks of Mount Snowden and we watched England C play Wales and you're going to be playing Wales again at Moss Lane and the squad's been announced and, and just tell us a bit more about it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you're dead right. I mean, it's um, a year in uh, waiting for this game again, but we're pleased that it's around. It's come back around uh, an opportunity to put things right because, uh, as people know, last last time out, it wasn't the greatest result, although we had a f- fine squad. But, uh, yeah, it's an opportunity to go to Altrincham and, um, you know, 21st of March on a Tuesday. Hopefully we get a number of people that want to come and support non-league football. And, uh, as you say, the squad's been... You know, uh, announced today, and we're delighted with uh, the squad that we picked. Yeah, no doubt about that. Just tell us a little bit about the criteria you use this time, Mick, because it, it it can change, can't it? And it has changed. Well, it has changed, uh, Rob. Uh, you know, you've been around the group; uh, you've seen it a number of times. I mean, for years we were, uh, you know, basically an under twenty three side, and uh, we felt that was really necessary the way the. Uh, what we wanted to achieve from the, the team being out there, you know, these guys coming through. Uh, yes, last time out, we sort of uh, went a little bit uh, out of that and had one or two, uh, you know, older boys, you know, uh, perhaps 29, you know, the likes of Scott Loach, who's now playing at Dar- Derby incredibly, uh, which we're delighted for. But uh, no, this time around, Rob, I mean, if, you, if you've seen it yourself and studied it, you know, like Dickie and um, Lukey, uh, I mean, we've got a squad of about 25 there. Um, to see, and, and and twelve of those are under twenty three. If you look at it, about twelve of those are under twenty three. So we've gone back to type. There's a couple of uh, guys who are you know twenty five, twenty six. Um, as we know, you know we we well we just felt we needed to call the uh, the boy Longstaff up. Uh, you know Macaulay from Notts County. I mean he's just flying. So I think he's the older statesman within the group. But uh, generally, it's a young group uh, again, and we believe that's the right way to go. And interesting that you've gone for one player from each of the 24 National League sides, which not only seems incredibly fair, but also is very sensible because, you know, we're getting towards the business end of the season. One or two people will always gripe about the game being on and, and, and that, but it's it's a massive moment for these players, isn't it? And, and for each club, they are only exposed to one player uh, playing. Um, and, uh, you know, there, there's not huge risk in that, is there? No, you're spot on there, Rob. Uh, as I say, we, we, you know, Paul Fairclough, as people know, I've been with Paul, you know, was nearly 20 years now. I think this season is our 20th year, you know, being involved. And you're right, it's, uh, it was a conscious effort by Paul. And uh, I think, you know, let's get it right. You, 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 I think you've called it right. I think the supporters will see that, the management uh, of all clubs. You know, you start calling up, you know, fours and fives from a side, which you quite easily do. Let's be honest, there's, there's, you know, a couple of sides out there who have, uh, you know, flying there, and I'm sure we could have done that. But we've tried to be honest. We've tried to be fair. We've tried to be uh, uh, do it the right way. And also, I think what it does, it gives a, a fair reflection over the uh, the National League, you know, to say, look, there is players out there of each side uh, and they're representing their league. So we feel this is the right way to go this time, you know, picking literally one one player from each each club. As I said, it's going to be whittled down from that 25 to 16. But, uh, yeah, everyone's represented and uh, we feel that's uh, the right way. Mick, I'm guessing there's going to be a standby list because obviously, unfortunately, could well be injuries between now and when the game's played. Oh, yeah, exactly. I mean, as you say, there's a 25 there anyway. Mm. So that's, you know, that's down to 16. As you can see, if, you, if everyone analyses the squad, you've got the three keepers there. So, 
you know, we won't be taking three keepers. It'll be two keepers. Uh, you know, you look at the defenders, um, there's a number of there. And, you know, there won't be all those on that list in the final 16. But there is also a beyond that, you're dead right. I mean, for people that don't know Luke, and I know you do, and um, Rob and Dickie, we, we, you know, we, 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 we look very, very hard across the season. Uh, and there will be another group behind this 25, if you like, who will... Uh, also be on our radar of players who have uh, impressed and uh, got the credentials that we want and need. And, um, yeah, so there's a, there's a backup group beyond the 25 as well. And just to say, Mick, from a little tiny corner of that 20, those 24 teams, I think you've got it bob on with Aldershot player. Tyler Cordner has been the best and most consistent player across the season. He's been superb. I'm chuffed for him, chuffed for... For Aldershot to have representation, I think I think it might be the first time since you picked Nick Arnold and Jake Gallagher, which would have been probably six, five, six, seven years ago now. Um, and talking of Gallagher's, uh, Dan Gallagher of Dorking Wanderers has been picked as well. Um, and uh, that's something that uh, Dorking manager and owner Mark White is extremely proud of. And uh, here's a little word from him. Yeah, from our part as a club, we're extremely proud of Dan. Um he comes from a well-known footballing family. Uh, extremely unique that um, three of the four brothers would have uh, featured for England in some capacity now with Connor obviously going to the World Cup and um, Jake having played for England C before. So um, Dan would be delighted. Um, he goes about his business um, in a really quiet way. He's an excellent play. He came to us in the Isthmian Prem. So, several leagues below where we are now. Um, he's got that Gallagher tenacity and will to win. Can play in two, three, four positions uh, comfortably, which um, in modern football serves you well. So, yeah, absolutely brilliant for Dan. Couldn't happen to a nicer lad. And also for the club, it's our first time we've had anyone chosen from an existing um, squad uh, for uh, for national colours, so yeah, it's another first for for Dorking as well. But um, yeah, delight for Dan and his family. Yeah, that's something that they can uh, discuss around the dinner table. They've all got England caps of some sort now, haven't they? As well, the Gallagher's of course. Connor's got a senior England cap, uh, and Dan and Jake have both got England C caps. I will have hopefully. Yeah, it's fantastic, Luke. As you say. Um... In ter- you know, look, I'm, I'm, I'm delighted when you, you say the, you know, people come out from the from the clubs and embrace it. You know, we we need to be uh, profile. You know, uh, I, you know, it's been difficult. Everyone knows we keep going on about the uh, the difficulties of what's happened over the number of last two three years. We all know that. Every everyone knows that. But these clubs, when they see their their players. Representing their country, and I, I can't emphasise that enough, guys. You know, representing their country, getting that England cap. You know, you've been first-hand around it, Rob, on many occasions, and seeing those guys put that that shirt on. And or I tell you now, when they walk into that dressing room for the first time, whether it's just a training kit and they see it, and they get that when they come at the hotel and they get their tracksuit and they wander around the hotel in an England tracksuit, then they go to the training ground with all the equipment, and of course, the biggest, biggest smile and the the big sort of uh, expression you see on these guys' faces is when they walk in that dressing room and they see that England shirt hanging up and they're going to wear it. It's just massive. It's a brilliant, brilliant time. Brilliant. And the big thing as well is is, is integrating them because they're all new lads who you haven't had really together before and, and most of them have played together before. So you have your sort of um, integration process, don't you, as well with them? Well, you've seen that as well, Luke. You know, we, you're right. I, Rob just called that out. Joshua Abra at uh, Solihull. He's the, uh, the last man standing, if you like. But look, that's, you know, uh, for, for reasons. Uh, there's not uh, for any, uh, you know, uh, there's nothing sort of untoward why that's been done that way. Uh, but you're right. You know, we try to, well, not try, we do. We do. We integrate every player together uh, because they've got to play as a team, Luke. You know, uh, they come up together as a group of individuals and then, you know, by by, you know, kick-off time, they're a team, you know, and they've got to play as a team. They've got to rely on each other. They've got to um, challenge each other. But most of all, they've got to back each other in terms of being a team member. 
So, uh, yeah, that's something we we are really proud of. You know, Paul does a brilliant job in getting that uh, unity together very, very quickly indeed. And uh, it's just uh, it's, it's, it's just great to be involved every time we get a squad because you see that team develop over such a, a small period of time and uh, they go out there, you know, honouring their country. When you hear Mick speak about this um, and, and the passion that you have for it, I mean, that, that must transmit itself to those players as well. You know, you're speaking about the, the pride when you see that shirt with the three lines on it. But, you know, I, I can't help but thinking that, you know, being around yourself and Paul um, also rubs off of them as well because you've been involved in it for so long and you've still got that passion for it. Exactly, Dickie. Uh, you know, I'll go back to it, you know, again, this may be the first time people have listened about what England sees about. I know there's a number of people who do know, uh, Dickie, and, uh, you know, in terms of, but when, when you see uh, those lads uh, go back to it, you know, represent their country and that sort of scheme, it, it's, it is brilliant. And we do, we, we, these boys, we know, I mean, even, let's get it right. From, from the last team we played, we put out, the last team we played, you know, against Wales, six of that team went back into the Football League. They went back in the football league, you know. So, you know, different different levels, you know, whether it's Division One or I mean, you got Mason uh, Clark, isn't it? Who's gone to Peterborough, you know? He got, um, you know, he, he's he's done really well there. You got, you know, uh, Will Wright. He's playing at Gillingham, as I know, and uh, you know, there's as I said, I've already mentioned about Scott Loach. He's gone to Derby. It's, it's, there's six of that group playing within the football league and the Scottish league. Um, Callum Roberts, I believe, went aside at Aberdeen uh, had a few injuries, but it just shows you what this team does, and I've said it so many times, and Paul said it, and that's the that's my point of putting it across, of making people realise what this team can give these players to go on to the next level, you know, and that's what this aim of this team is to do. Yes, we we're not the, you know, we're not the the, the, the whole lot, you know, they're, they're with their lead teams all through the season, but getting an England call up, there's plenty of scouts, there's plenty of people who uh, stand up and look and go, wow, these guys must be some decent players, you know? And Just a quick final point, Luke, um, from me anyway. Um, for our listeners, uh, regular and long-term listeners will know we always cover England Sea Games closely. We as a team will be up at Moss Lane on the 21st of March. Get yourself there if you can. It's a great occasion. Um, if you can't get there... We will have within a, a, a probably forty-eight hours, knowing Luke's editing ability, have a podcast out that covers the whole, um, you know, around the game. Uh, hearing from Mick again, probably, and, and Paul and the play, some of the players involved, um, and it's a great occasion. So, uh, yeah, Altrincham, twenty-first of March. Get yourself up there. See and you there. It's affordable as well. It's only seven pound for adults, two pound for under eighteens. And you can buy tickets online in advance. If you go to altinghamfc.com forward slash car, the ticket detail link to there, just buy it online and uh, come up and, and support everyone, especially if you're in the area, you want to see your team player playing, or you just want to see an England international uh, take on a very strong Welsh side, isn't it, again, I think, Mick? Oh, exactly. Uh, you know, let's get it. Let's get it right. Uh, Luke, you know, I smile when I say it. You know, we've been there, we've seen it, we've... Uh you know, uh, absorbed it, you know, the, the passion that the Welsh have as well, um, you know, let's get it, you know, whether they're going to play a, any any sport, but uh, especially football, they want to, and especially, as I said, after the last uh, last season encounter, where, you know, let's be honest, they did a number on us. Uh, they, they they come out and, you know, it was one of those days, yeah, but they, they, uh, they yeah, they deserved a victory in the end. They, they, they took us to task, there's no doubt about that. So this one's going to be a, you know, uh, a chance to sort of get, uh, not retribution, but a chance to put things right from an England point of view. But we know how tough the Welsh will be and they're a very, very proud nation to uh, to take us on. So I only endorse what you just said, Luke, and uh, as well, Rob. You know, get down there, watch, come and watch the game. It's the best players in, in non-league football who uh, hopefully your club's being represented in that, uh, in that team as well. So they are representing your club as well. So get down, watch it and you know, come along and support the boys. So looking domestically then at the National League, you've got, well, most of your players in action, Mick and the main one, Macaulay Langstaff, he uh, he rescued not County at Bromley, didn't he? 93rd minute equaliser for him and 
he's been dubbed the non-league Harland. He wants to try and keep ahead of him in the goal-scoring charts, <laughs> and he has done at the minute. Yeah, well, it just shows you again, Luke. You know, uh, as I said, you know, we knew we, uh, you know, we had to pick him because uh, of what he's what he's achieving, and uh, I hope that uh, he's going to. Uh, Really relish the opportunity of representing his country as well to just, if you like, put the icing on the cake of a, of a season that he's having, you know, because to have that as well as an England cap, well, you have that on your uh, on your mantelpiece or on your, your CV, whichever you want to call it. Uh, he would love that. But no, he uh, he's a top, top striker and uh, he must be playing with unbelievable confidence and any, any side would be delighted to have him in because he is a, a top striker, no doubt about that. What if you made the title race at the top of the National League, Mick? It's been not counting Rex in, I think, isn't it? Oh, look, you know, I think um, it's someone who I, the Notts County manager, you know, people perhaps don't know this. Uh, Luke Williams is a personal friend of mine, and I don't want to embarrass him too much if it comes out, but he used to be my school captain, would you believe? <laughs> so oh. uh, it just shows you we go back a long, long way myself, me and Luke, and uh, he's doing a great job there. and. Yeah, it's going to go right to the wire. I think everyone will know that. It's going to go right to the wire. Two very, very uh, brilliant clubs who are, who are vying to get back in the Football League. And uh, it'll be interesting who, who comes out on top. Rob, the big game on BT was Maidenhead against Wrexham. And as always, Maidenhead love it when the big boys come to town. Yeah, incredible. And, you know, it's it's such a credit to Maidenhead that, some of us even felt that might happen yesterday. I just think not only is the title race going to the wire, but every single game goes to the wire. The other week, Wrexham got a 90 plus four winner, didn't they? That propelled them an extra couple of points. And then if you look at these two games, uh, Notts County would have had nothing until Macaulay Langstaff's added time goal. And Wrexham, well, um, they've been pegged back once, but they... Uh, they got pegged back a second time uh, around the 90-minute mark as well by Maidenhead, um, which effectively ripped two points off of them and completed an amazing couple of weeks for Maidenhead, who'd had three straight back-to-back wins and then took a point off Wrexham. And it's the most incredible emotion you can feel in football, isn't it? And just a couple of weeks ago, the Wrexham fans had that high of the last-minute winner. And they'd have had a sinking feeling on Saturday when two points just disappeared in those last couple of minutes. And you've got to give full credit to Mr Devonshire, as always. <laughs> Phenomenal. Walking Rob, as well, they're, um, they are now six points clear of Barnet. Barnet, who won 1-0 at Southend on Friday evening. Uh, Walking won 1-0 away. Uh, Yeovil's a two-good away win for those two sides, and, and that keeps it as you were, and just behind them at Chesterfield, who, who finally won after nine games. They came from behind to win 2-1 at Gateshead. And just behind them is, is Eastley, so very tight between fourth and sixth. But Woking, nice little gap for them. Yeah, excellent. They're really secure in third place at the moment, aren't they, Woking? Uh, Kyron Lofthouse with a first-half goal. And, you know, you'd back a side like Woking. If they get the lead in a game, it's not too often they're going to get pegged back. They're having a phenomenal season. Another difficult afternoon for Yeovil, who are still struggling to score goals, and that's the biggest reason why they'll be concerned going into the final games. Um, Eastleigh, I've said it two, three weeks running now, the current Masters of the 1-0 win. Um, I do a prediction game, and I keep predicting them 1-0 every week, and they keep on doing it. Um, I guess the flip side of all that, um, we'll look at the bottom in a minute, but you know a lot of these... Uh, playoff sides were playing against uh, sides around the bottom, where unfortunately none of the bottom four managed to get a win, did they? Uh, no, they didn't. And well, in fact, all the way up to uh, 13th, 13th. There we go. Uh, 13th and below, nobody won. And included in that were York City, and you saw them at Dagenham, didn't you, Mick? And I know one of the players you were uh, you picked in the squad, Ollie Dyson, impressed you as well. He did, actually. Yeah, I was at the game. Um, as I said, I get to a number of games, as you know, boys. And, uh, yeah, it was a, it was a, it was a good encounter uh, yesterday. Uh, York give it a, a good go. I mean, they uh, they started brightly, uh, got on the front foot. Um, and as I said, they was, uh, they was a threat. It was a threat really all uh, all afternoon. And as we know, both both uh, both clubs at the moment have got sort of temporary managers in, in charge there. Dagenham have got uh, David Jupp and uh, Steve Gritt in there and... Uh, 
York City have, uh, you know, themselves are, have got uh, uh, assistant manager in there. Uh, but they started well. Uh, but then Daggers just grew into the game. They grew into the game, got something out of it in terms of... Uh, I thought their fitness really showed, though, yesterday, but they also made sure they were playing for their uh, for their manager uh, because it looked like, you know, it's been a, it's been a, it's been a turbulent sort of uh, few days there at uh, Dagenham Redbridge. But they got over the line and uh, got the winner um, sort of uh, about 10 minutes from time. But uh, they went back to the, the young man who's been selected from York City, uh, Dyson. Yeah, he was uh, very influential in their performance. And impressed with the way that uh, he got on the ball and played, and the, his, his technical ability was uh, was very good indeed. Quick question for you, Mick, about Daggers. Obviously, Effiong's come in and he's hit the ground running. Terrific breakaway goal to get the winner late on against Notts County, and another goal on Saturday, twenty-one for the season. Um, I don't know what you know and what you can share about Mr. McCallum leaving and going to Chesterfield, and Effiong coming in, and, and maybe even if you do, it's not right to say, but. How has Effiong settled into that team? Is he? Do you see him playing a similar role to what McCallum did, um, or is it slightly different? Well, you know, you did it right. I mean, in terms of what went on, Rob, it's I'm really you know I'm sitting here. I'm not sitting on the fence in any way, shape, or form. I don't know. You know, it was a. I think it surprised everybody within the football club. It was a you know a Friday night or a Friday sort of day meeting of some sort, and uh, yeah, part of the ways happened. You know, in terms of where that went with the management, but then. As you say, McCallum's gone as well at Chesterfield. I see he scored yesterday, which was uh, ironic. But no, Effion has come in and, uh, yeah, he's he's hit the ground running. He, he looks very, very settled. Look, we, we know, everyone knows of what he brings to the party. He's got a lot of quality and he's a strong individual, not just in terms of his physical ability, but his, his mental side of it. He, he, he leads by example. And again, he popped up, you know, finished yesterday. So, yeah, he's, he's settled in very, very well at Dagenham Redbridge and, Hopefully, he's going to be the one who gets them. You know, they still do believe, they do still believe that they can be in and around the shake-up of those playoffs because like a lot of teams, it's it's still in there for the, for the taking. If you look at that league, we all know it's still there for the taking. And, uh, yeah, he's been he's been very, very good indeed. We're pleased to say as well that one of the players who has just been selected for England C is uh, Ultram FC midfielder Josh Lundstrom, and he joins us now. Hello, Josh. Hiya. Nice to meet you. How are you? Very well, thanks. Obviously, we'll get on to the result for Altrincham in a minute. A disappointing day for you there, but in terms of overall and getting a call up, you must be absolutely buzzing. Yeah, to be fair, I didn't. Um, I, I wasn't wasn't really in my mind to be honest. I woke up this morning. A couple of the lads had put in the group chat. Congratulations, Lenny. I was like, "What? What are they on about?" And obviously, I checked on Twitter and see my name was in. So I was just buzzing with it. To be fair. Yeah. And it's something obviously to prepare for. I mean, have you have you represented? I know you were at Crew before you came to Oldham. Have you represented England at youth level before? Or um, no, it's never been something I've um, I've done before. So yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. And the fact it's on your home ground as well must help. Yeah, obviously it's a little bit of a bonus. Yeah, so it'll be comfortable for me. Do you know what I mean? It's not like I'm going somewhere in like a new environment. I'll I'll kind of know where I am. Do you know what I mean? Josh, have you spoken to uh, any uh, teammates or you know other other players that you know in the game that have represented England C at all, or is it is it still very very fresh for you? Um, we had the gaffer at um, the park. He said to me um, that obviously there was a bit of interest from uh, Fairclough about potentially going, and then I think Lewis Baines was there last year. Is yeah. that right? Either last year or the season before. So I did ask him about. It. He said he like, he really he really enjoyed it. So. He only had that positive things to say about it. So I think there was a few of us who were hoping to get get called up. So I'm glad that I have. No, just going to first of all, um, and say congratulations, Josh. I mean, that, that thing about um, we know the squad is going to be whittled down a bit from, from 25 to 16, but, but clearly you'll be hoping to be a part of that because it had been on your home ground. Yeah, of course. It's just obviously it was a 25 man squad. It's just nice to be on that list. If I. If I am in the final sixteen, great. If, but obviously, it's it's nice to be recognised initially, anyway. So, we'll and even if I... you don't, Josh, even if you don't make it, make sure you turn up at Moss Lane with your boots on the twenty first. <laughs> uh, you never know; someone could get injured in the warm up. But now, I mean, there's every chance that you that you will make it. Um, have you had a chance to have a look at the squad and see one or two of the other names? Any other boys you you know? Have been um, I, to be fair, I've not really looked at the squad. I've seen on. Um, 
uh, Joe Sabar is um, in the squad. Obviously, I was at Solio last year, so I know him, but I haven't really had a chance to look at the squad. No, I've just seen on, um, I think I've seen it on Solio's Instagram. Obviously, they were just c- congratulating him. So, yeah, that's as much as I've seen, really. And I've got to talk about the result, a disappointing result for you. You have been on a good run, but you, you ended up going down to Wilson and losing 4 0 in the end. Yeah, it wasn't wasn't our best days yesterday. We, you're right, we have been on a bit of a, a decent run, to be fair, but it probably kind of, I don't know where we are in the league now. Where are we, about 12? Probably yeah, kind yeah. of... 12, 12 like nine, nine points off it, yeah. Yeah, it probably kind of sums up maybe that little bits of inconsistencies we've got. Obviously, we've had a couple of great results. Obviously, beat Woking at home, then beat Barnet away. Um, and then we obviously go to Wheelstone and we get beat 4-0, so... Probably just sums up our inconsistencies, if anything. That's probably why we're where we are in the table. Obviously, if we're a bit more consistent, that's when we're right in the mix for the playoffs. Obviously, we're a little bit far off it, but hopefully, we've got we've played a lot of the top teams with our fixtures. So I know obviously any game in the league's tough, but if you're going off the table, our fi- our fixtures are kind of more favourable. You would say so. You never know if we can put a good run together, we might be able to sneak in there. You never know. It's been interesting as well, Josh, because you and Isaac Marriott and I think Lewis Baines and Jordan Hume are the only sort of ever presence this season because you've either had players in on loan, you've been left, that players have been sold, and you've got new players coming in. So there's been a lot of transition at Altrincham, hasn't there, as well this year? Yeah, it's, that's kind of how it's gone for us. We had, we were, I think we had a 10 game unbeaten run kind of over Christmas, and then our team kind of. So obviously we had we had Colclough, Con Clark, Newby, Jennings, and then that kind of just all got took away from us. So it was almost like we found a way of playing. We all like realised what we're all good at, got to know each other, and then it was just taken away. So we've kind of had to start again. It's been like that a couple of times this season, but I think we've we've done well really to be where we are just because of that. Like, it was funny the other day we were looking at the top goal scorers. Me and Elliot were top goal scorers. We were still at the club and we were only on three. So that kind of sums up like the players that we've lost. A lot of initiation songs, I'm guessing, taking place. And <laughs> to be fair, you know what? We've actually slowed down and we haven't done it for a while. There's probably about, there must be at least 10 lads that are still waiting to do it. I think there probably would have been some on the way back on the bus yesterday, but obviously the mood wasn't um, wasn't really right to be singing after yesterday's performance. Dickie? Yeah, I was going to say, uh, apart from the, this this date with England to look forward to, you've got um, a, a big date next um, weekend as well with an FA Trophy quarterfinal away at York. So um, it, it is, is Wembley on your mind perhaps a little bit? or Yeah, well, it's, it's hard for it not to be, isn't it? I think it's two games, isn't it? And I think, obviously, there's, uh, we beat Wrexham, didn't we? Not to count, we were out. Chesterfield are out. A lot of the biggest sides are out. So it's a goal. I think any of the eight sides left are going to be fancy their chances, aren't they? Only two games from Wembley, but... Not just not just Wembley. We want to win the whole competition. Yeah, well, I mean Altrincham. You know, got a really you know strong history in the FA Trophy. Although I think it's it's a long time since they've been in a final. Um, so you know, it, it would it'd be you know nice. Yeah, and my team's you know long gone from the competition, but it'd be re- really great to see an, an established you know um, national league team and a team that's got a big history like Altrincham getting to Wembley. Yeah, it's great, isn't it? We always see all. All the fans that have been fans of for a long time always say what a great history the club's got, especially in, in non-league. It's, like it's known as one of the biggest clubs in non-league, isn't it? So it'd be great if the club could get back there and lift that trophy at Wembley. That'd be unbelievable. I'm hoping to see you there, Josh. I'm involved with Aldershot. They're still in as well. Two games from the big W and um, a place that Aldershot have never been to. So I'll take that. Aldershot, Altrincham final. The two who sides... Old, who've Aldershot got? Uh, at home to Halifax, who obviously you just don't know what to make of their form. I wonder if their form and their result in the week played a bit of a part in, in your team's defeat yesterday because Wealdstone, nobody's beaten them 5 0 this season. Halifax did in the week. And of no, course, well, you were on the, yeah, you were on the wrong end of the region. Yeah. So they're obviously lost 5 0. They've, they've got a point to prove, haven't they? Come out firing. And they did too bad. Credit to them. They, I thought they were really good yesterday. We were we were way off our usual standards, but no credit to them. They they played well. Great. No, that's fantastic. Thanks, Josh. Congratulations, mate. Well no, done. No worries. Thank you. We'll, we'll, we'll all be up there at old. Yeah, we we'll try and get as many people there as we can. You know, on the on on the night to to give you lads the support. Yeah, thank you. Appreciate. It. Yeah, Josh, thanks for joining us, and uh, best of luck for the rest of the season. And, and and we'll see you in a few weeks' time. Nice one, mate. And you. So, see you later.
Dickie, the relegation race was shut, shut up in midweek without even games being played, really. Yeah, it was. Um, uh, the National League announced that um, um, two clubs actually, Gateshead um, in the National League and, and Welling in the South, had both had points deductions um, for playing players when they shouldn't have played them. I think Gateshead was a player who was under suspension. Um, Wellings was a player that they'd signed without uh, getting the international clearance. Um, so, yeah, it, just the last thing that you want when you're at the bottom of the table, but somehow these things only seem to happen when you're bottom of the table. Um you know, Gateshead having a point deducted without even, you know, having the opportunity to contest it on the field. You know, that's where you want your points to be won and lost. And we know, you know, that the, the administrators um, have a difficult job on their hands and, you know, and we're certainly not going to join in any kicking of them because, you know, they do have a difficult task at the clubs. But, uh, yeah. Um, conceding or losing at home to Chesterfield the way they did yesterday after they were, you know, leading and then, you know, conceding a last minute equaliser or a last minute winner to Ryan Colclough and, you know, having lost a point in midweek, it's been a pretty dreadful week for Gateshead. Down at the bottom, Rob, it was a, it was a, an NL full-time derby, wasn't it? It was a off-the-line blog against NL full-time, Torquay against all the shot, a point apiece. And I know you're a lot happier than Joe was. Well... Yeah, that's just because Joe's on a massive downer and I think he was seeing the negative side of everything. Um, it's a strange one. Ended one all. And I honestly think on the day, as an outcome, it was a good point for both clubs. From Aldershot's point of view, it was another point on the total towards safety. Um, they pushed hard for three, but Halstead was in superb form, particularly in the second half. And their own keeper, Ashby Hammond, made a couple of good saves as well. So a couple there for the keepers, Union, Mick. But um, Aldershot also, by not losing that game, they they kept the equidistance from Torquay as well. They increased to seven points clear of the uh, drop zone. And for Torquay as well, yeah, they pushed hard for a win and they would have been a bit gutted to only get a point. But they were the only side in the bottom four, maybe the bottom five, I think, to, to actually get a point on Saturday. So... It's small margins, but it added to their total as well. And that was pretty much the feel of things as I caught up in the away dugout after the game with uh, the manager, Gary Johnson. Gary, frantic afternoon at the EBB. Both sides going hammer and tong, desperate to try and win that one. In the end, you couldn't be separated. Was that largely down to the two goalkeepers? Yeah, I think, what was it? All the shots goalkeeper got man of the match. Um, so we know that we, you know, we put all the shot under pressure on lots of occasions, but also all the shot had their opportunities as well. And uh, it, it was a it was a tough game for both both teams. I mean, we it was tough for us because we we played Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, you know. And when you got had a week off like all the shot, that, the last five minutes they looked like you know they were a bit sharper than us when we was trying to you know get the game, uh, try and win the game because point is probably better for all the shot than it is it was for us um, but I was pleased with our performance I thought as you say both sets of players put in a put in a work rate and both sets of players looked like they hadn't given up for their for their managers or their club obviously you can only do what you can control and you you leave with a point you are the only team in the bottom four to get a point today so in that sense does it feel a point gained well it does but we you know you always feel it's too two points lost don't you when you've drawn and it's against the rival it's a six pointer sort of thing and neither of us got it uh, it's not a rival as in we hate each other but a rival <laughs> as in position in the league mm. and we felt that if we could win the game then it might you know, drag all the shot a little bit down towards us but there's plenty of time to pick up results every team is always looking for a run of wins if you can like get the first one then you have to get your second one and then you're on a run when it becomes three mm. and uh, three wins any time now will probably help you out tremendously but you've got to get them on the trot mm. and there's never three games that you think oh there's three games that we can win and we didn't expect to come here and go oh we can definitely win that because the National League's a strong old league and you can see that with all the results that do go on you know nobody slaughters anybody um, with regards to, to your situation at Torquay, football's all about opinions. You've been here a long time and you'll have seen lots of the moments, you know, at both ends of the table. Um, what I always find myself thinking from afar, Gary, is I hear the odd people going, oh, his time's up, all the rest of it. And then I think, but 
Who would you want to come in and, 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 and take the helm at a football club in a situation like that? And I go, oh, I'd have Gary Johnson. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what well, do you make of it all? I mean, you, well, you, the you're one obs- that's moaning and wants me to give up is my missus. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> She's the one, no. It's, I, listen, um, supporters get frustrated. They do here, they do everywhere. Uh, and they do at our place when we don't win football matches and however close they are and we've had some tough games that we've lost in the last minutes or lost by a penalty it all come from us losing the playoff final when actually we'd won it <laughs> with a couple of some yeah. poor decisions but you can't keep harping on that like I do <laughs> um, you're over and, it now yeah you? yeah <laughs> I'm, I'm, well no I'll never get over that no. mate never no. um but and so, but the supporters like today, you know, they knew we needed to win, but they've appreciated the effort that, that that's gone into it. Mm-hmm. Um, supporters pay that pay their money, and all I can say is that I still am ready and still able to give like hundred percent. And uh, I think I've got a little bit of Neil Warnock in me that I'm not too sure when I want to give up. <laughs> um, when we had the uh, the COVID lockdown. You know, my missus likes to say, have you retired? Are you thinking about retiring? And then I'm at home for days on end during COVID time and she kept saying, ain't you got somewhere to go? Like, you know, and she wanted to get me out. So I think, you know, she knows she's, she's been in football you know, all her life as a, as a young girl. You know, we met quite early. And, uh, of course, she's got her son that's in the same position. So exactly. I think she's learnt just to let us get on with it and... Definitely while I'm enjoying it, uh, you know, because I can easily walk away from it, but mm. I don't want to walk away from it, and I wouldn't. And I've still got some, uh, um, a lot of time left in me for, you know, whatever club I'm at, for whatever club I'm at. As we mentioned, a much-needed win for Solihull Moors. And a, a big shock, actually, was seeing Dark and John no, no, I don't think that ever happens, does it, Ralph? I can't remember it happening. Um, I, re- I really can't, and and it's another game that ended in a draw that both sides will will kind of you know pinpoint their chances to win the game. But I think Tony Craig coming in um, has really started to give Dawkins a little bit more de- defensive solidity. I watched them in the week as we covered on the midweek podcast. Um, a very very good performance against Boreham Wood, other than perhaps the first ten minutes where they did concede the one goal, but it's just one goal conceded in two games for Dawkins. Unfortunately for them, they've stopped scoring at the other end. But a little bit like Aldershot and Torquay, another point to the total. Live to fight another day. And uh, yeah, um, it doubled their gap to safety from one point to two. So I don't think uh, Mark will sniff at that point. Yeah, Mick, we're going to look at the South shortly. But um, there is one player from outside of the National League uh, that you have picked, haven't you? It is, yeah. It's the uh, young keeper from uh, from Worthing. He's... Uh... Boy Mal, he's uh, he's done exceptionally well, and uh, yeah, I don't if, if people don't know much about him, he's uh, got good pedigree. He's come through the uh, sort of Leeds Academy, I believe he was there to, uh, for about ten years as a kid. He right away through and uh, uh, played with the England under 15, 16, 17s. and uh, so he's got uh, some credentials there. Um, and then he says he's, he's pitched up at Worthing and getting you know rave reviews. So we've had uh, we had him watched. Um, and it's you know he's very very comfortable and a keeper that uh, has got a chance to to impress. So yeah, it's some it's good to see someone from outside. And I go on about that though, Luke, many times as well. I, I don't mean it in a bad way, but young goalkeepers in the uh, in the national league, there's not many. There's uh, you know a lot of them are experienced goalkeepers, uh, and there's not many sort of under under 23, 24 years of age within the group. If they are. Yeah, a lot of them are on loan, you know, mm. uh, as we... Robert for me, a he's, he's, he's on loan from Fulham. But we, as an England C set-up, again, people might not know that, Rob, we can't select those people. If they're on loan from a you know, a Premiership, Championship, whatever other club within the Football League sort of spectrum, we can't select them. So, yeah, he's uh, he's got a chance, the young boy, so we're delighted to have him on board. Well, Mick, thanks for joining us, and we'll, uh, we'll catch up with you at the end of the month. Yeah, well, thanks again, boys, for all your support and all your uh, help in, you know, really promoting England C. And we look forward to seeing you on that 21st and uh, be a great occasion for all these lads selected. Thanks very much again. Hopping in to join us, we have from Off The Line blog, it is Joe Pope. Hello, Joe. 
Hi, uh, yeah, thanks for having me back on again. Sorry I couldn't contribute with my talky perspective, but uh, here to Probably cast all things. <laughs> Probably for the best, yeah. I think I've exhausted everything I can say on talky this season. Um, we'll move on then and look at the National League South. And in the National League South, as Dickie mentioned, Welling had a point deducted midweek. It won't really make much difference for their season there, sort of in and around mid-table and the bottom half. However, they only drew 0-0 at Hungerford, but up at the top, uh, rather surprisingly, absolutely only drew 0-0 at home to Hemel. Yeah, I mean, um, I think Dennis Kuchieb said in his uh, post-match interview, he said that they did everything apart from score. Um, and, you know, I suppose when you get those days where you boss the game, you know, like Notts County did last week against Dagenham, create all the chances if you just can't put put the chances away, then, uh, you know, that happens. Um, he was critical um, of Hemel's style, saying he, they didn't get out of their half all game. Uh, but, you know, if if you go away to Ebbsfleet, you're going to have all of the ball, all the chances. You expect to sit slightly deeper and uh, ride your luck. And, you know, full credit to Hemel. Um, not many teams go to Ebbsfleet and, and get a, a goalless draw or a clean sheet. So, um, yeah, uh, a good point for Hemel. Absolutely, have actually increased the lead at the top because Arford, rather surprisingly, lost 3-1 at Weymouth and that's a massive boost for Weymouth as well. Yeah, a massive win for Weymouth, especially with all the teams down at the bottom not really getting away. Um, most of the teams either lost or or, or drew uh, yesterday. So uh, that's a really, really big win for them, one that perhaps they wouldn't have expected. Um, you know, we've talked in the last few weeks about uh, their two main men, Rose and and Brad Ash, uh, and both of them were on the score sheet again. It looks like um, if they don't stay up, you would imagine that there would be teams circling for them uh, in the summer, uh, because they've been in really, really good form. Um, for Dartford, hopefully just a, you know, a, a little blip, but it looks like they'll have to uh, settle for the playoffs. So, um, yeah, very good result for Weymouth. Into third, well, 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 look who it is. It's Braintree. I'm saying that unbeaten at home this season, only them and Wrexham unbeaten across the three divisions at home. And they, they beat Hampton, Rich and Borough by a goal to nil. And, and where have they come from? Yeah, well, I think that's probably benefited them. You know, no one expected them to be at the top come the end. I mean, you know, Angelo Harrop has done a really, really good job. Um, you know, last year they did a, a good job under Maxwell, but this year they've gone, you know, even better. Um, and they just slowly keep going about their business. You know, they they, they don't, you know, ride through, to, you know, they don't put four or five past teams, They you know, but they battle and they make it difficult. And yesterday they managed to get on the, uh, the end of a, a 1-0, which keeps their unbeaten record of 10 uh, in the league. Uh, going. Um, and as you said, the really, really good home record. I mean, you know, especially uh, if you can be so good at home like they have, then you're not going to be far away. And um, yeah, who, who, who could uh, who could bet against them to uh, perhaps not even win the playoffs? It'd be a brilliant story. It, 10 games unbeaten for Braintree currently as well. Thanks to Dickie for that little uh, stat there as well. He's waving at me. You can't see him waving at me, but there we go. Um, <laughs> Behind them, um, all just a point behind, I haven't, and Oxford City and also Worthing, and none of them won, haven't, and Waterlooville drew at home to Chesson, a valuable point for Chesson. Down at the bottom, an entertaining game as well for Worthing at Slough, and Slough had two men sent off within a minute, so off First went Joe Dandy, so not all fine for him, and then Elliot Bengen two minutes later, he was also sent off and then Worthing took the lead to James Berryford but credit to Slough they battled back Josh Jackman with the equaliser and, and what a good point that is for Slough considering they've got nine men against a team like Worthing Yeah and I think it basically sums up everything good about Slough since Scott Davies took over um, I spoke to him in the week and said, you know, what a fantastic job he's doing. And he said he's managed to get a settled squad that he relies on and can trust. 
Um, you know, and especially yesterday, um, he said in his post-match interview he didn't really want to make much reference about the referee, but wanted to put all the focus on how well his team did to battle back against a very good Worthing side. You know, really, really good Worthing side. Um, they managed to come back and and get a draw yesterday. So, um, yeah, um, really, really good point for them. Um, and uh, obviously, you talked about having a Mortelouville. Um, you know, more points dropped for them. Um, I know they signed um, Jake uh, Jack Jeb from Dorking uh, in the week um, mm. going into that game. I assume he made his debut yesterday uh, for them. Um, so, yeah, it looks like they're going to have to uh, settle for the playoffs. And unfortunately, it looks like they're probably going to have to do get through the playoffs without Doswell. Yeah, big news breaking there, Dickie, about Paul Doswell this week, wasn't there? Yeah, there was. Um, a 12-game touchline uh, ban for Paul Doswell. Um, I, I think it was a result of a, an incident that goes back some time, actually. Um, back to a game against Ebbsfleet back in September 2021. Um, so I, I'm not entirely sure why it's taken it so long to be heard by the Football Association, but it has... Um, I do imagine, I don't know whether if there is a right of appeal or whether that's, you know, that that's the result, um, having, you know, appealed an initial suspension. But yeah, 12 games is an awful long time um, to be without your manager on the touchline. And uh, Oxford City, they lost at home, as we mentioned, to Farnborough, Joe. And, and apart from in midweek, they're, out, they're on a really good run, aren't they? They've, uh, you know, they had a little bit of a sticky patch at the start, but um, they've uh, really improved, um, certainly in the second half of this season. Um, and a good win yesterday against, you know, a good Oxford City side, especially they were 1-0 down and came back to uh, to run out 2-1 winners, Reggie Young and uh, and Page there for them um, to, uh, to get all three points. So uh, really, really good win for Farnborough. And just to add... You know, they are right in that playoff picture now. They're four points off it, but they have at least three games in hand. Sorry, two, three or four games in hand on everybody above them, uh, other than Ebsfleet right at the top. So they're right in it. And uh, that, that that's a fantastic result for Farnborough. And um, I think they're going to they're push that playoff race right to the wire. Just yeah. on that point... Uh... I just wanted to ask the question to Rob there, um, because obviously he sees Farnborough more than any of us um, and perhaps would be the best to assess it. If Farnborough do finish in the playoffs, if they were to you know, get promoted, would it be perhaps a little too early for them to be in the National League? Or do you think you know that's just the, the result of all their success? Um it's difficult for any club if they do go up two seasons running. Um, Mark White will tell you that and one or two others. But um, but no, they'd embrace it. They would embrace it. Uh, it's, it ultimately will be their ambition to get up to uh, conference level again. Um, I think we still call it conference level, even though it's National League. Um, and um, yeah, I think uh, the, the manager and the chairman, who I know well there, are ambitious. Uh, no, if they get up, if they get in the playoffs and they go win them, they'll embrace that and they'll go for it. I mean, it will be a big, steep rise for them. But um, no, I think they'd have every much as much chance of staying up in the National League as, say, Dorking have had this year. And Dorking have had a, an awful lot more to do off the pitch than Farnborough will. I mentioned about Farnborough's winning run coming to an end in midweek. Of course, they drew with Ebsley, which isn't a bad result, of course. But they did get back to winning ways, if you like, on Saturday, as mentioned. A big news out of Dulwich Hamlet this week. I know Dickie mentioned it last week. He spun a bit of Shakespeare for us and uh, he took action by getting rid of Paul Barnes and in comes Heretin, literally in. And he got off to a winning start. They beat St Albans by a goal to nil. Yeah, uh, a great win for, for Dulwich Hamlet. Um, hey, Retin would have wanted to get off to a really, really good start and uh, against a, a good St Albans side. Um, that would have been a, you know, even though it was a 10 men St Albans side, uh, that was a, a good win yesterday. Ronnie Vint with the only goal of the game. Um, nice for Dulwich to actually keep a clean sheet for once. You know, amazing what happens when you keep a clean sheet, you can actually win a game of football. So, uh, 
uh, yeah, really, really good uh, for for Hacken Hayritten. And, you know, they've struggled the last few seasons. And we've talked on the pod about how they just struggled to get, you know, up in those sort of playoff contention. Perhaps now, now that they've got a manager that's won the league before and got them out, perhaps hey, Hacken Hayritten is the man to get them in the contention for, for promotion again. Interested, Paul Barnes, who was replaced, as I mentioned, this week. He seemed a bit stung by it all on social media. He came out and said, well, look, I've improved the club. We're in a better position than we were last year. And he seemed quite surprised by it all. What, what did you make of that? Um, I, I suppose, you know, he, he will, would, you know, I don't know too much about the, in, you know, inside as to the decision. Um, ultimately, they expect you know, Dulwich probably for the investment that they've had that they need them to be higher up the league. So, you know, yes, he may have improved them for what they were last season, but purely for the fact that they were better than they were last season isn't a barometer to say that they're suddenly okay this season. So, you know, Dulwich are, you know, an ambitious club on and certainly off the field. And, you know, they probably wanted to make a change to, uh, you know, with next season in mind, um, with the work that Paul Barnes himself has said, you know, that they have done this season to to improve on last year, to perhaps make sure that they can be in a position next year with a, a manager like Hayretton to challenge. Two teams in the bottom four met, chipping against Concord, and it was a dramatic day down there in the southwest. Concord were 2 0 up going into stoppage time, and chipping them were also down to. Then men, uh, Hamilton was sent off for chipping, but then Eddie Jones got a goal back in the first minute of stoppage time and Craig Fassamardi got a equaliser in the 94th minute, which was neither side either good, really. Chipping him is still in the bottom four. Concord of four points adrift of safety. Yeah, and, you know, for Concord, who seem to, you know, they can't buy a win. It's, you know, a bit of a, a sucker punch at the end, you know, five minutes to go and, a man up and you assume, you know, just see it through. And, you know, that's ultimately the sort of results that can see you go down. I mean, I was, I was reading yesterday on Twitter, one of the Concord fans has gone into that game. They just had to make sure they didn't lose the game. And he said, although they've come out of it, having not lost the game, <laughs> it feels like they've chucked away three points because, you know, they've, they should have seen it out. Um, but um, yeah, you know, it's uh it's a valuable point, but it should have really been three for Concord. I was just um, a point on Taunton. Um, you know, they their their home form had been brilliant up until lately. Um, I think I put something out saying that they'd lost something like four in their last six or something at home, having not lost in two years at home. Um, and, uh, you know, for them to get back to winning ways uh, yesterday, uh, coming from 2-1 down to... Uh, to win 3-2 on the road against Tombridge Angels. Really, really good win for uh, Taunton, who seemed to have probably assured themselves of another season at, uh, at the National League South. Yeah, and also Dover and Bath drew 0-0, and as I mentioned, as did Hungerford and Welling. And Chelmsford, they drew 2-2 at Eastbourne Borough. Let's move on and look at the National League North. And uh, interesting day. In the National League North, and well, we said files it was top last week, and we said, well, I, I imagine they'll stay there now. However, big game for Blythe and Fylde. It had repercussions at both ends of the table, and it was a stalemate, which meant Kingsland went back top because they beat Scarborough by three goals to two. Blythe stay in the bottom four, but that'll be a huge boost for Blythe, I think, more than Fylde. Yeah, it will. There were there were three goalless draws in the division yesterday, all of them um, varying degrees of significance, and this was definitely the biggest one. Um, Foiled, being held um, at, at Blythe uh, by Spartans, who were on a really really good run at the moment. I saw them last week win at Telford, and the, and they 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 did seem to be a team that you know knew what they were about, and you know what they weren't just shutting, um, they weren't just parking the bus trying to get points either. As well, last week they came to Telford and they were quite positive. Um, I've not seen very much from this one. I think the only glimpse I've got of this game from yesterday was a, a clearance off his own goal line by Amika Obi from Fylde, which makes it, uh, you would look at that and go, well, I'm sure there were chances for both sides. Um, 
But, you know, Blythe, there was certainly an opportunity for them there yesterday. Um, they'll definitely be the team that will be happier with the point um, than, than Fylde will, because as you say, it's allowed Kingsland to um, to retake top spot. Jedi stuff from Obi then, wasn't there? And uh, off the line, wasn't there? <laughs> Uh, there was indeed, yes, he used the force there. He did use the force there, yeah, that's more like it, yeah. A good win though for Kingsland against against Scarborough. It was, yeah. It looked like it was going to be a lot more comfortable than it uh, eventually turned out to be um, for Kingsland yesterday. They led pretty early on um, with a Ben Stevens goal. He'd scored in their previous game as well. And then Gold Omateo um, put away a 33rd minute penalty, 2 0 up at half time. Um, but Scarborough are uh, dangerous opponents, as a lot of teams in this division have found out this season. Um, they pulled it back to 2 2. Jake Charles was on the, uh, the score sheet for them in the 51st minute. And then Luca Colville equalised just five minutes from time. Um, you know, we've been talking there we were just saying about the south about teams feeling that they perhaps you know they'd, they'd got the job done and maybe scarborough felt that you know that they were due to leave with a point there but michael clunan the captain at king's lane he's such an important figure for them he scored in the 87th minute and secured the win for them that um yeah keeps them neck and neck points wise with filed at the top just to stay third they won 4-2 against bambury and brackley they got a much-needed win. They got back to winning ways, 1-0 against Southport, which means Brackley are a point behind Chester. Chester are five points off top, and they're on a good run of fall. I mean, do you think they could gate-crash the top two? I'm not sure about the top two, but, um, you know, certainly if, if Chester can finish in third place, as they'd certainly be looking at, well, they'd be looking at missing out on the first round of the playoffs. Um, they'd have home advantage in playoff semifinals, I would think. You know, you've they've got to keep believing and got to, uh, and got to keep going. In in, you know, if if either Foyle or or Kingsland do slip up, then they're positioned to uh, take over from them. But you know, even if they could get to third place, that would be tremendous. Um, they they made slightly heavy weather of this one yesterday. Um, they led fairly early on with a goal um, from Reese Hughes in the second minute. Adam Thomas then scored twice. It was 3-0 before half-time. They did also lose Liam Edwards. Um, a clash of heads meant he had to go off with a head injury. 11 minutes of time added on at the end of the first half. And Adam Thomas scored his second goal in the eighth of those 11 minutes. So they were, you know, they yes, they, they'd lost a player, but they were up and cruising. Credit to Banbury, they came back at them. Harrison Burke's own goal just before the hour cut the deficit. Then Kelvin Langmead, um, goodness me, you know, he's still popping in goals and he's been around for an awful long time, but finding the target for Banbury, he took a Kurt Willoughby goal in the 89th minute to make that one absolutely safe for Chester. Um, yeah, you mentioned Brackley, uh, a 1-0 win for them um, over Southport. Sam Smart, he's been finding the target quite a lot for, for Brackley Town and he registered in the 68th minute. Um, yeah, and, you know, we it, under different management now, Brackley, but, you know, we spoke about their ability to churn out those 1-0 wins. And, yeah, at this point of the season, it doesn't really matter how you do it as long as you do it. Yeah, no wins in five now for Darlington as well. They were 2-0 up, weren't they, and ended up only drawing 2-2. Yeah. Um, they had a 2-0 lead away at Alfreton. Not the easiest of places to go. Jacob Hazel and Kane Felix um, had them two up within the first 17 minutes. Matt Reed he, uh, pulled a goal back in the 45th minute. And then Yusufu Cisse uh, levelled it for Alfreton in the 73rd. So, yeah, just a point for Darlington. There's obviously at the board at Darlington, like what they're, they're, they're Seeing from their team this season, I see Alan Armstrong signed a two-year contract extension this very morning. So, um, yeah, there, there's um, a good degree of stability at Darlington, and and they, you know, they seem to be that they are definitely going in the right direction. But uh, yeah, just a little bit worrying, you know, a run of form like this at this point of the season. Quickly, Dickie, then we'll have a look at the bottom because we mentioned about the South being tight, and it's equally as tight <coughs> in the North, and a much-needed win. For Leamington, Bradford Park, having you lost away at Peterborough Sports, Bardley and Telford cancelled each other out and Kettering are not quite clear yet. They lost 1-0 at Hereford, while Boston drew 0-0 at Kidderminster. 
Yeah, Leamington's result is the, is the standout one amongst the teams towards the bottom. It was, the, you know, the biggest, um, I won't say step away from danger because Leamington have still got work to do down there. But um, watch the highlights of this one this morning. Liam Cross scored his first goal for the club um, in as early as the sixth minute. Ollie Hulbert, he's on loan um, to them from Yeovil. He scored in the 35th minute. That's his first goal in nine appearances for Leamington. Um Curzon got a goal back early in the second half. Hayden Campbell, really good finish. But then Dan Turner scored his fourth goal in fourth game, four games. And Dion Kelly-Evans with a cracker from outside of the penalty area. Um, the one blot on the landscape for Leamington yesterday was the fact they lost Theo Street to uh, two yellow cards um, involved in a bit of an incident, which he picked his first yellow card up for with Jimmy Spencer. Uh, and then, yeah, just caught a player with a, a late challenge. I think it was Tom Piers. So he was dismissed. He's going to have to serve a suspension. Um, Street-wise at all, was he? No, un- un- no, unusually for him. And you know, Theo Street is is a very, very experienced player. Um, but you know, I dare I say, Jimmy Spencer um, is a very experienced player for Curtis Nashton as well, and does like to draw his centre half or whoever's marking him into that bit of a physical battle. He did that with Theo Street yesterday. Um, but uh, yeah, as much as Spencer might have won that particular battle, it was Leamington that won the war in the end. Um, Peterborough's 1-0 win. That's uh, an important one for them because they've been on a poor run of form. Jordan Nicholson scoring in the first minute and then uh, Bradford unable to get back on terms. As I say, you mentioned Kidderminster and Boston's 0-0 draw. Um, probably more valuable to Boston given their position rather than Kidderminster's. Um Kettering, they lost 1-0 at Hereford, uh, a goal in a 55th minute from Kane Thompson-Summers there for the Bulls. Um, I don't think there's many other games we've mentioned there other than Spennymore against Chorley. Uh, John Ushtabas, who put uh, Chorley ahead in the second minute, um, but two goals in response from Glenn Taylor and Paul Blackett had Spennymore 2-1 up by half-time, and that's how it finished. Yeah, and the other result was Buxton beating Gloucester, which means Gloucester just outside the playoffs, and uh... I think Buxton, we can declare, is being very much safe now, can't we, as well? Yes, yes. Sorry to have missed Buxton and Gloucester there. But yeah, a, a, another really good result for Buxton. I think that's nine unbeaten now. Uh, goals from Brad Jackson and Jack McCourt with a penalty in the first 14 minutes of the game had them 2-0 up on Gloucester. Gloucester did get a goal back in the second half. Um, but yeah, not enough for them, ultimately. And um, yeah, I think Buxton, very definitely safe now. Well, uh, that is it. Thank you very much for joining us. Give us a follow on Twitter at NL Full Time. We are on Instagram as well. Uh, my thanks to everyone who's joined in today. I'll see you all in a couple of weeks. Okay. We'll see you all very soon. <laughs>